Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Brain Fuel is a cerebral beverage that helps you find your flow state, enhance mental focus, and cognitive endurance. Elevate the brain and the body. To get yours, visit brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, and enter the code LIFO15 at checkout for your 15% off discount, L-I-F-O-1-5, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office, powered by Brain Fuel. Really looking forward to having both Amelia Schimmel on, as well as Renell Brooks-Moon, um, to discuss what it's like to be a PA announcer. Uh, to be honest, I'm really honored to be on with both of you in the fact that, um, you know, we've been doing this podcast thing for eh, a little over two and a half years, but uh, Renell and, and Amelia definitely have uh, some, some ground on me and the rest of the crew, for sure. Uh, so without further ado, both of you welcome and excited to uh, have a conversation. Thank you, Jake. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. Yeah. Now, Thank you. Real, qu- real quick, there's there's a connection between the two of you in terms of your career path, obviously the um, the ground that you've broken in the game of baseball as a whole. But Renell, why don't we just start off with you with kind of the connection to Amelia and how that all started and, and how did you get your first gig? Okay. Where to begin? Uh, Well, I reached out to Amelia last season um, uh, when our dearly beloved uh, Dick Callahan opted out of the season and she became the interim PA. And first of all, I was so super excited and thrilled for her, um, knowing her history as an A's fan and, and, and having another woman in the club. And we've uh, established a friendship, uh, since then, and we keep in touch via text. And um, so that's that's kind of our connection. I actually got my job as PA announcer for the Giants um, from my radio career. I had a 35 year radio career here in the Bay Area. And I was asked in the fall of 1999 if I'd like to uh, audition for the job of the PA announcer at the new ballpark, having no idea they were hiring a new PA announcer. Um, so I did three auditions and an interview with Peter McGowan, and I somehow landed this gig. But I want to make it clear that I'm, I'm not the first. A lot of people think I'm the first, but Sherry Davis preceded me at Candlestick Park for the last seven seasons at Candlestick. And I just found out this year from one of my Twitter followers that there was a Black female PA announcer for the, Bo- for the Boston Red Sox of all teams, right, uh, in, the, in the late 90s. And um, I just found out about her this year and was really kind of like irritated that her story hadn't been told. Like she's another hidden figure, right? And uh, I would, what I wouldn't have done if I, you know, would have had the opportunity to talk to her when I first got hired in 2000 and hear about her experiences and everything. Her name is Leslie Sterling. So Sherry Davis and Leslie Sterling busted the door down so that Amelia and I and our two counterparts with the Mets and the Orioles now, Marisol Castro and Adrian Roberson, so we could bust through that door. Well, you know, both of you are, are surely blazing a trail and setting an example for others to follow, right? And, um, you know, Amelia, one, you're obviously somewhat new to the game and one would ask, well, how do I get there? What do I do to break in? And, you know, you're the third in a 53-year history of the A's. Just from a PA announcer as a whole. So it's not like there's that much turnover in your role, period. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, it, it's timing, it's luck, but it's mostly hard work. And I, I got really, really fortunate, you know, just like Leslie and Sherry Davis, you know, had that influence on Rennell. Rennell and Marisol are that influence on me. And they were so supportive when I first started. And I really didn't have the background that Rennell had. You know, even the background that Adrian at the at the Orioles had for 17 years in the minors. I just, like Rennell said, I filled in for Dick Callahan when he had opted out in 2020. And there was no notion that this was going to be a long-term thing. Um, I just said, you know what, there's this opportunity here. Let me enjoy it. Let me make the most of it and see what happens. Um, and I was fully ready to go back to my executive producer role at the A's. And I think it's just kind of seizing the opportunity, uh, feeling like that you're, you're good enough to do it. You know, even if something lands in your lap like that, you know, I didn't have the rigorous audition process that Rennell and, and others have had. And so I got really, really lucky in that sense. But I also had Dick Callahan calling me and supporting me and Rennell calling me and texting me and saying, you're doing a great job or slow down or little bits and pieces of advice here and there. And so I absorbed all of that. And I said, you know what, I can play it straight and I can just kind of get through this season and, and do it safely, or I can really have some fun with it. And I knew I was going to have fun with it regardless because I'm a huge A's fan. So uh, I tried to kind of perfect the craft over the 30, so, 30 or so home games that we had. And, you know, I guess in terms of the, you know, the president of the team telling me we want you to continue doing this, that it paid off. And there's so much more that I need to work on. Obviously, there's so much learning I have to do. But taking that, you know, point one and kind of hitting the ground running, I think really, really helped. How do both of you get better at your craft, right? Like every game is a new game. Every, every night or day game is a new day. Like, do you watch film? Do you listen back to recordings? Like how, how do you get better? I don't like to listen to myself, ever. <laughs> no one does. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Even when I was on the radio, I, you know, I would have to kind of do have air check sessions as we call them with the boss and everything. But I, I, the guys on KNBR, the morning show, Murph and Mac, uh, they played, when I did an interview a, a while back, they, um, they bumped into the segment with audio of me. And I was like, I hate that. Why are you doing that? And they're like, you're in the wrong line of work if you don't like listen to your voice. But no, I, I don't, um, I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't like listening to myself. I just, I've been this way since I've been in second grade. I just, give everything 150%. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I get focused and, you know, do the research I need to do for that game or event that I'm hosting or voiceover work that I'm doing. Um, I over-prepare, uh, uh, as a million knows, I'm a Virgo. So, you know, there's a lot of over-preparing that I've, again, I've been doing since I was in second grade. Um, and I just, you know, I just start the day just making sure because for myself, Amelia, Marisol, and Adrian, still in 2021, you know, there's still eyes are on us. You know, everybody's watching us. There's extra eyes and extra ears and everything. So just, just kind of motivating myself when I start the day to, you know, just remember that this job comes with a huge responsibility and to give it 150%. But no, there's no watching. I mean, there's no listening at all. To the voice. It's so funny that you said that because I just heard you sing happy birthday to Willie Mays and I'm like oh my god she can sing too 
what am I, what am I, I can't do that. You know, you've got this beautiful PA voice, but then also this singing voice. And that just seems like decades down the line for me to be comfortable even attempting that, let alone, you know, just doing it in the car. So right. I, I just, it's so fun. I mean, I do, I agree. Like, you know, you hate to kind of hear the sound of your own voice. And it's weird to say that as somebody who's doing voice work for a living. I remember, you know, hating public speaking. I remember, you know, in, in high school and that kind of thing. And I remember listening to myself on voicemails and thinking, oh my God, that's what I sound like. But um, I think one of the biggest things was, for me was learning the delay and hearing, it's almost like somebody, you know, when you're trying to count and somebody's shouting different numbers in your ear and it's really hard to concentrate that way. That's just kind of a tactical thing for me that I had to learn immediately. And it actually led to this notion of, Focus on what you're doing locally. Pretend there aren't thousands of fans out there. Listen to yourself and don't listen to the output. Don't listen to what's coming back at you because if you do what you can control right here, then what's going to happen out on the loudspeaker is, you know, everything that you can do and, and you've done your job. You know, you can't control whether there are technical glitches. You can't control whether, you know, a pinch hitter comes up and you didn't see him. Once you see him, you make the correction and, and mistakes are going to happen. I think that's the biggest thing for me is knowing especially me with my young career here, mistakes are going to happen. And even a baseball player, if he fails two thirds of the time, it's still a hall of fame batting average. So I'm just yeah. hoping to get it right. At least a third of the time. Oh, if not you, more. You, you got this. And you know, my, my uh, Amelia has this fantastic background of being a softball player and working at the MLB network and then being an executive producer for the A's. But my background is as a performer, I had the radio career, and I, it's easy for me to sing in a stadium because I studied classical voice in college and I've been singing with bands and stuff. And in fact, I sang the anthem uh, for Oakland back in the 80s and 90s several times. Uh, and um, so I, I already was familiar with the delay having sung the anthem at the Coliseum for both the A's and the Raiders. <laughs> So I have my performance background has really served me me well um, in this role. I wish I would have had the opportunity to play softball as a little girl, but I'm much older than Amelia and girls of my generation were not at all encouraged to play sports. We could love it as a fan as I did as a little girl, but you know, there was no there there was no soccer, there's just nothing. We were just we were encouraged to learn how to sew and cook. That's how old I am, Jake. Okay. <laughs> Wow. that's that's how impressive it is that she's doing what she's doing and blazing the trail that she's blazing I was lucky to get to play softball and I remember being the one leading all the cheers like I know you know these softball cheers like really like grizzly like I was the one growling and barking all the cheers and now I wish I hadn't done that because my voice would probably be healthier but you're right like I got lucky and I think generations down the line will will be able to have more opportunities and it'll be a little bit easier so yeah that's the best that's the best part of it we are making it easier for those young women that are coming after us that's the best part right now just as the players are training their bodies they're you know they're hitting they're hitting off the tee what what do you do for the voice I mean you got to keep it in check like I'm no, I'm no, I'm a novice when it comes to that I don't I can't say that I do anything for my voice I just hope that uh some people like to listen to it from time to time. You sound pretty good to me, Jake. I have to say, I just have to say <laughs> that. I have to for radio, so I mean, what you know, what can I say? <laughs> well, you know, I had to learn really how to rest my voice, and because I was doing radio in the morning and games at night up until 2017, and that first season, I actually got laryngitis. Again, the Virgo that I am, somehow I managed to organize my laryngitis and plan it during the All-Star break. 
It's like, and my husband took me to the ER and he's, he's like, okay, you, you have to start, you're working your vocal cords too much. You have to rest, you have to go on vocal rest like Mariah Carey, right? In, in other so words- there's a lot of vocal much, resting. Right? What's that? I said, in other words, you talk too much. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so when the husband heard that I had to go on vocal rest, he was like, thank you, Jesus. That's fantastic. But I had to learn that since I'm working the voice for four hours in the morning and then another four hours at night. Um, and he said, you have, to, you, you have to learn to rest your voice. Um, I shared with Amelia that the throat coat tea is a lifesaver for those of us in this industry. And then I also have a, a vocal coach um, that I work with and she gives me like daily exercises. And I've been working more with her because I had my thyroid removed in 2019 and my voice is still not 100%, nor my singing voice. But so I already had her in place before my surgery, but I've had to learn to do vocal exercises and learn to rest. And now that I released the radio, it's, it's much easier to take that morning off and rest the voice and do my daily exercises in the morning and the cool down exercises at night. But I mean, cause Amelia, I'm sure you, you found that it, you don't think about it, but it does take a toll on your vocal cords. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, the first, the first 10 game homes and we started out at home and the first game I went full bore on those introductions because I was like, so excited. I didn't realize like, Hey, we got nine consecutive games after this. You better tone it down. And I, I think game three or four, I was like, Oh my God, this is a 162 game season. I did not pace myself. And we are at game like two. Um, I, I bought a Costco size bag of throat lozenges. I bought that throat coat that you mentioned. It's been really helpful. And then I just also learned how to like say things with emphasis without actually throwing out, you know, it's like picking things up without throwing out your back, right? There's a bend of the knees. There's a way to do that with your throat that you, you can kind of convey your excitement without really going all out. Um, yeah. And, like and you can manipulate your, your voice. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah. And so, and maybe I'll, maybe one day if we get, get to the world series, I'll, I'll just go, go full bore and I'll just lose my voice and that'll be okay. And I'll have the entire off season. But then I get, you know, after 10 game homestand or if, if we're winning, you know, we got, we won 13 straight games. I was so excited. I'm like singing in the car and I'm like, Ooh, maybe I shouldn't do this. You know, like maybe I should. And the, it's so funny. The first thing that, um, that I remember when my mom and my sister came to the game for the first time, I mean, they've been going for years, but the first time since I started doing the PA work, they were like, oh my God, now we have to hear you at the ballpark as well too. Like 24 seven, we got to listen to you. I'm like, yeah, sorry. It's the gate loop. It's everything. And uh, they're like, okay, well, if you want, you can cool it. You know, when you come visit us, you can tone it down, stop talking as much. I'm like, all right, copy that. I'll do that. Now, <laughs> it's just remembering, now. you know, things, things you don't think of. Exactly. With the world series comment that Amelia made, what did you do? I mean, you had a couple stints there. And by the way, look at that ring that she's wearing too. What this? This? <laughs> what this old thing? This one of one of three that I have, which makes no sense at all. Because here again, I'm getting the job. I'm never thinking about a postseason, which we actually had my first season. That didn't occur to me, and then it certainly didn't occur to me that in my third season <laughs> we're going to the World Series, the one that we don't talk about. That's the one we don't talk about. The 2002 against the Angels. Yeah, but um, there's also that, that one in '89, I think. Ooh, yeah. Let's talk about that one. Since, <laughs> well, since Pat and Andy aren't on this this episode, <laughs> we're just gonna leave that one for the side. That's like that's episode yeah. version two. 
we can talk about that later. I was three. Well, I, I don't remember that one so well, though. I do remember an earthquake, <laughs> but uh, I was I was at the earthquake game. My dad I, was too. My dad was too. That's crazy. And Jake, this will blow your mind. I was rooting for Oakland. Okay, so you a lot you of people it. know that <laughs> that you know that was my loyalty. Well, actually, I tell everybody, I, you know, I grew up when you could go to both ballparks and you didn't have to pick and choose when I was a little girl, the older I got, everybody's like, you can't, you can't do both or whatever. But I, um, I was born in Oakland. So that's my, the A's, I was 10 when the A's came to Oakland and that's when my allegiance started. And then I was so lucky to be able to get um, some work with Oakland in the promotion department through the radio station. That's how I ended up singing the anthem several times and being on the field and Dave Parker gave me one of his bats, Amelia, did I ever tell you that story? No, I want to hear it. <laughs> oh my God. Well, oh, well you we're, got having it. Lunch, we're having lunch on Monday. So I'll tell you that story, but I was a big, big Oakland girl. And I, I did TV for the A's again, before I was hired by the giants of uh, the art, Howe years. And uh, I interviewed Mark McGuire. I mean, it was just, I was like living the dream. So the 89 world series, of uh, the earthquake game. I'm on the radio on KML. We did a big Battle of the Bay live broadcast. Dollar six cents, 106 KML. Dollar six cents to get in and have breakfast. The bar is open and the money goes to charity. So I get to game three and I am hammered. <laughs> hammered. But my, my best friend, Rosemary, we were there rooting for the A. So the 89 World Series is, is all right with me. And it's, it's really hard. That first season of interleague play, Giants and A's in 2000, was so hard for me because I was so conflicted. <laughs> so I'm like rooting for both teams. I'm rooting for the Giants and then I'm rooting for the A's. I'm clapping under my desk. So no one would see me, but that was, yeah. So, but the World Series experience in 2002, I was, I was a nervous wreck and I don't really get super nervous. I was nervous for opening day 2000 because um, they, they, I didn't know I was going to be on the field to do the pregame ceremony, all the pomp and circumstance and the bunching and everything. Uh, but then game three of the 2002 World Series, I became really nervous. I was already nervous, but then there was so much attention on me, which there will be on you when the A's get to the World Series this year. I'm manifesting Hopefully it. it's A's Giants. That'd be really I cool. I texted her, I said, too soon, Bay Ridge World Series 2021. <laughs> but there was all this attention on me because I'm the first woman to ever do it, right? In any professional sport to announce a, a pro championship game. And I'm not, I'm not thinking about that at all. So there were all these media requests when I got to the ballpark, not just here locally, but also from Southern California because I was making history that night. And I was like, this is too much. I need to just focus on my job tonight because you know Fox comes in and they take over their stage managers come in and everything and and it was just like it was just pandemonium and now now I've got to do all these tv interviews and everything so I was like I may or may not have had a uh, half of a vodka tonic to take the <laughs> that's a recurring theme you'll start to hear Jake there's a lot of booze involved <laughs> in this job you know I one thing I was going to ask and maybe this is Maybe this question is invalid, but can you put the fandom aside when you are working? Is there a way to do that? I don't, I don't ever, I don't want you. I listen, I am up out of my seat. And like, now I have a relationship with the season ticket members in the section in front of me for, you know, they've been there for 20 years or so. 
So they're looking up at me and they're coming up and high five it and everything. So I, no, I, I let it go. I Same. let it go. Same. I think it helps. It's funny because at MLB Network, I had to hide all of that because you were representing every single team. I mean, I was going and doing field production work at 30 clubs in 30 days and it'd be different teams each day. And you have to know just as much about every team or care just as much about every team. But, you know, this is cool. I mean, I got my green nails like Rennell's got her whole orange wardrobe. This is being a fan actually, I think, helps in this. And as long as you can kind of keep the energy level up when your team's down a little bit then I think, you know, really expelling all of that energy when your team's doing well actually probably helps a little bit. And I've had people tell me like, I can tell you're really into this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not just going through the motions here. Like uh, we're rooting in the control room and people are, people are high-fiving, people are cheering. It's not quite the rest. It's not similar to the rest of the press box where the media is writing and everything's quiet and they have to be neutral. This is us, you know, actually being fans of the team. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting because like if you're in the front office or you're even on the business side, like you are, it's kind of that unspoken rule of you remove the fandom, right? Like it's mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's a business, right? And we're all kind of there to do our jobs. Um, but but you you have the best of the both worlds. You get to be a fan and do your job. So, uh, you know, jealous. But I think, you know, the one question I'd have to ask for for both of you is you think about... Um, you know, Rennell being the first to do a playoff game, being a female to do it, and kind of the, the role models that you've had, that didn't necessarily exist as much, right? And you are now able to represent that for someone else to look up to you and go, that's possible. I can do that. This is, this is something that's attainable. Um, what goes into your mindset in terms of how you help others, how you help spread the message, um, is there a certain part of your job that, you know, you try and teach to others so that they can learn as well? Definitely. I've always said that this job is, is bigger than me when I got it, you know, being a, a woman of color and, you know, one of, you know, the third woman to do it. Um, I always knew that it came with such a responsibility. I'm also the child of educators. So I, that's kind of my jam. You know, I just, it's just, natural for me to mentor and to teach. And I always thought I would follow in the footsteps of my parents and teach, but I found that, and this started with my broadcasting career because I'm still mentoring broadcasting students. So I found that I, I teach in a different way than, than my parents did traditionally, but that's what I was taught. You, um, especially if you're given an opportunity, you make sure you help others that are coming after you. To, to have that opportunity as well. And I also knew that starting in my radio career, I got a, a letter, I'll never forget it, a letter from a junior high school student, young girl and young girl of color, and you know, asking me to come and speak at her uh, career day. And that's when it clicked for me that, oh, this is, this is possible for, for little girls because none of what I do now, Jake, was possible for me when I was little. There were no women on the radio, you know, very few on television, no women of color, certainly no women in sports. So none of this was possible for me. And going to the ballpark over the years and having little girls, I mean, like five, six-year-olds, you know, waiting for me and then they just come and hug me and, you know, they take pictures and stuff. And they say they want to grow up and, you know, be a sports journalist or a sports broadcaster. So that's, that for me is the most rewarding and most fulfilling Part of the job and I've, I've always been a feminist. I went to Mills College in Oakland uh, where, I be, where I really became, 
I found my voice as a feminist and an activist. But I've also done that through my radio career. When that little girl sent me that letter, and I can't tell you how many career days I've done since 1988. Um, but that's really important to me. And it's also because that's what my dad, who's a trailblazer in his own right, he was the first black high school principal in San Francisco. I watched my dad, uh, you know, mentor and he and my mom, you know, encouraged me and taught me to, you know, be a part of your community, be an, be an important giving part of your community and to whom much is given, much is required. So uh, that's that I've been mentoring, you know, since my radio career and that's the, that's the best part of it. And being involved with community organizations as well, that started, you know, with my radio career and then I get to the Giants and the community partners are already a lot of organizations that I had worked with for a number of years. So, you know, a lot of things really have kind of clicked in a way that I never imagined it would in, in this job. But yeah, it's the most important thing is that um, it, it opens up possibilities for, for little girls and young women. Yeah, and making those possibilities, those opportunities just more widely available is what it's about. I know like Rennell, you know, the child of educators. I actually, my grandmother was uh, in the NYPD. She was one of, she was the highest ranking woman in the NYPD for a time. Um, she broke barriers of her own and I got to watch her. I, I lived with her for a few years. I uh, happened to play a lot of softball growing up. I actually played on the men's baseball team in high school. So it was never, I never had those, you know, limitations thrown on me in the way that somebody else might. I got really lucky in that sense. But had I not taken that very direct and narrow path, like straight to sports and straight to doing something that is predominantly male, you know, male dominated industry, then I probably wouldn't have, it wouldn't have occurred to me that I could do this, you know? Um, and I always thought like, oh, I can do this, but there were so many supportive people around me helping out. And I don't think it was necessarily you know, just a friend of mine in middle school probably wouldn't have had the same opportunity, probably wouldn't have had the same drive, probably wouldn't have been encouraged in the same way. Um, and, you know, the classes that were available, cooking and home ec and stuff like that. How about, you know, PA work? How about, you know, doing play-by-play? -play? Like, that's not something that's available. So you have to make your own opportunities, I think. And uh, Rennell had to do that so much more so than I did. I, I lucked into getting, you know, having these role models just around me and having having basically the venue for a lot of these things and being able to work at MLB Network and to learn all the things that I needed to be caught up on. But I remember going into MLB Network and so many of the men had come over from ESPN and so many of them had just grown up, you know, playing fantasy baseball with each other and just knowing stuff that I had to learn because none of my friends around me, none of my girlfriends or even, you know, guy friends sometimes we're saying all of those things that those guys already knew. Um, so I happened to really, really be a student of baseball and that helped me kind of learn the production side. But had it been a little bit more readily available, I probably wouldn't have had, you know, and people wouldn't have had so many doubters, you know, of the women that they brought in. It's about bringing in women who are, you know, have the drive to be there, have the passion to be there and have the knowledge to do it, not just filling these these companies with women. Um, it's, a, you know, it's making those opportunities available for the people who actually study this and want to do it. And, and that's when the women thrive is like they're brought in, they really want to do it. And they're told, yes, you can do it. So I got lucky in that sense, but I can totally see how, you know, everyone around me was not necessarily given that same opportunity. Yeah. 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 Well, and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm fighting for women in all aspects. You know, there are not nearly enough women or people of color in the front office in the Giants organization. So it is, I've been fighting for that since I've been there. And 
that, that's what I hope my legacy will be that I help to make some lasting significant change because there's still a lot of work to be done uh, for my team in particular and, and league wide. So we, yeah. you know, we have, we've had mm -hmm. a great run here these last few years, but there's so much more to do. There's just not enough representation in all aspects of this sport. So I'm going to keep on fighting. Well, and it's going to be an uphill climb until we have women actually playing major league baseball, I think too. Totally. I mean, we'd have so many more if it were something that normal for, you know, little girls to go play little league. If it were totally normal for that to be something that they were encouraged to do, then we would be watching men and women, you know, in these games right now too. So this is yeah. a small step, but it's def there's definitely a long way to go. Yeah. yeah. And you know what, you're saying exactly the same things that I was saying when I started in my radio career, because that is still a very male dominated industry. And I was one of the first women in the country to get my own morning show because we always had to be the traffic girl or the sidekick. And same thing, there, aren't, um, there are no women in, in upper management that can make those decisions. You know, guys are hiring their, their homies all the time, right? But mm -hmm. there were no women that could, could pr promote us. So that's why it's so important to get, get in those uh, upper management positions as well. Well, it starts at the foundational level, right? I mean, even even as you know, MLB has their initiatives to um, you know trying to get into the inner cities and and create opportunities for you know youth in the game, right? Well, like it starts there. You can't just start plucking people from wherever. I mean, it, it, there has to be this fostering of growth and community. And um, you know, Renell and, and Amelia, both of your organizations have at least made another step towards you know progress in, in having. Um, you know, a female on the, uh, from a coaching perspective, right on the field. Right. And so like, that's exciting to see and just seeing the game change. Right. And to your point, kind of, you know, you guys, both of you have so much passion, um, which is really, really exciting to see and, and um, exciting to learn from. Right. And I think uh, one thing I'll mention Ronell is, you know, you've made it when you have a bobblehead. <laughs> I mean, it's right behind her. See, like, that's one of those things like, you know, you've made it when you have your own bobblehead. That's pretty cool. <laughs> well, there's something else I never, another gift I didn't see coming. And by the way, I have two. <laughs> um, the first one was the African-American Heritage, Heritage Night giveaway in 2008, huge honor. And then I was the ambassador for the giant race um, last season, the first lady ambassador, because it's usually a player or a coach. And I was the giveaway running with my microphone is how she looks. So it's just, I mean, I have just been blessed beyond belief. I, again, didn't see any of this coming at all. World Series ring. This ring is from when we hosted the All-Star game. I was like, who knew there was so much jewelry, Amelia, in Major League Baseball? <laughs> Look at that. You know, oh, bobbleheads. And then, and I know Amelia feels the same way, meeting so many of our, our baseball heroes. I mean, that is just like the icing on the cake. I mean, and singing to Willie Mays, you know, for his 90th birthday Friday night. I mean, I was like, what is happening? What is going on? You know, and, and, and becoming friends with, with Willie McCovey and all the Hall of Famers. And it's just, it's insane. But thank you for acknowledging the bobblehead. I was like, and the, the work that goes into the making of the bobblehead is so serious. It's, I mean, they were sending me prototypes every day. And the best, though, was that the young guys that were on the crew at the time were like, first of all, 
her wedding ring is not big enough. Her <laughs> earrings are not big enough. <laughs> and they were like, and she has highlights in her hair. I'm like, look at my, look at my baseball sons taking care of me. But like every day they're sending the prototype. Is this better? Is this, it's just, it's bananas. So I've just been so, I'm just, I'm just grateful every day because I had no idea April 11th, 2000, that A, I would still be here like, you know, 21 years later and B, all of these gifts and blessings would come my way. I'm just thinking, I'm just going to go in, you know, do my thing, come on home, get up, do a radio show. But it's just been incredible. You, you know, when you have your first uh, opportunity to work in the industry and it's in minor league baseball, you learn more about bobbleheads than you'll ever want to know. So I just, I had to point that out because that's, that's just a thing working in sports. Um, I want to, I want to transition into uh, our, our first brain fuel segment where we're going to talk a little bit about um, kind of your approach, uh, the mental side to things. Um, but if you could have both of you, if you could have the brain of either Elon Musk or Bill Gates, and I'm going to throw one more in there, Oprah, for a day, whom would you, whom would you choose? I was thinking, I was going to say see Kamala Harris before you threw in Oprah, but Oprah's a good one too. Well, I'm, I'm, I'll take all suggestions. So you, there can be that other category and then you can, you know, you, you write in the name. Michelle Obama. That's a good one. Amelia, Michelle. so you got, you got Kamala? I, you know, I have Kamala, obviously, you know, Oakland, East Bay native, but um, Bill Gates' philanthropy, obviously I love. Um, that part of it, I think, you know, I don't know that his entire brain, I would necessarily, but, <laughs> but yeah, but Michelle Obama is a fantastic one too, Kamala Harris. I think either of those is great options. Uh, I can't, I, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be, be that powerful, to just basically like have so much responsibility and power and need to, me, my like naive brain, I want to focus that on philanthropic efforts and teaching people and not necessarily, you know, flying to space and stuff like that. But <laughs> I, I agree. I think Michelle Obama is a great one too. Renelle, yeah, well, obviously Oprah, I mean, I've, my whole radio run was simultaneous with her TV run. And I, I had um, a lot of listeners call me the Oprah of the Bay Area. And I'm like, well, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But um, I just learned so much from her watching her show over the years. Um, and she's just, what she has come from to become this magnificent human being that she is, is her story is just remarkable. Same with Michelle Obama, really. Um, but yeah, Oprah, because I, I wanted, I wanted to either be Oprah or Carol Burnett when I was a little girl. I wanted my own TV show. You know. Hey, that but, can still um, happen. That can still happen. I mean, I'm getting too old, Jake. I'm I'd watch that. Too old. Amelia, getting, Amelia's got the plugins at MLB Network. I mean, come on. Oh, like, we can make yeah, this let's happen. do this. I would watch that show. That's that would be a great <laughs> show. But in terms of uh, Bill Gates, um, I'm irritated with him now because of the Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> connection. Mm -hmm. Elon Musk is a COVID denier. So those, you know, mm -hmm. we, uh, I think I speak for Amelia when we would like to have the, the mind of a brilliant woman. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. How do you both mentally prepare for your day? 
if you could describe it in one phrase, one word, how would you mentally prepare for your day? Um, yeah, I would say um, you're human. I keep telling myself that you're human. So there's a different, I know this is, I'm, this is a little bit longer than you asked for. I know you said one phrase, but there is a difference between when I go in and I'm very, very nervous for something. And it can be like, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm tired or it's a really big game or whatever, or when I'm like really, really confident. And I'm like, is that this, is this the bullpen session that goes really well? And then I get lit up during the game kind of thing. So I, I I'm kind of like, don't think too much into the pregame emotions and the feeling and the worry and the anxiety, because I've had, I'm a person that's full of anxiety. And sometimes it manifests itself in really helpful ways where I'm really, really focused during the game. And I, I do well during the game and everything goes fine. And sometimes it manifests itself in, you know, I accidentally say somebody's name in a different way than I wanted to say it. Or I, you know, I missed that a pitching change is about to happen and announce somebody a little bit too early or something like that. So the, your human helps remind me of like, I don't have to be perfect. And, you know, like we were talking before, you don't get a do-over when you say something on a microphone like this, it is live. So it's okay to say correction you know, I meant this or my bad. And I, Renell was telling me once how Bill, uh, was it Bill King? No, it was, it was Roy Steele yeah. said, Roy Steele announced something and said, my bad. And she was like, you know what? That's it. He's human. He made even the great, even the voice of God makes mistakes too. So I'll remind myself of that. It'll help calm me down a little bit. Well, I, um, every day is, is different. Um, cause I do, so many other things, um, speaking engagements and virtual events, now virtual. I miss being on stage and doing them in person. Um, and in the past year, I've been called upon to talk a lot about race and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so every day is different for me. It's not, just, it's not just a game day. So what I started doing in 2018, I got into this really good place, which got disrupted because of COVID last year. But my, the first thing I do is I well, don't look at my phone because there's always 9,000 asks for something, right? Take a, take a, take a breath, don't look at the phone. Um, I meditate um, and then I get my workout in. And for me, that really sets the tone for my day. I've had to reinvent that since my poor gym didn't survive the pandemic and they closed and everything. Um, but I get my workout in, I get my meditating in, and that, that sets the tone for the day. And then I tackle the emails. I do my voice exercises or whatever event I have for the day, I start prepping for that. But what I've found is for my, cause I suffer from anxiety too. And what I have found is that that's a really good um, uh, uh, recipe for me to get mentally focused for the day, to have that quiet time in the morning do my deep breathing and get, now I get on the exercise bike and do, do, a, do some weights and some abs. And then I'm like, let's go, let's, let's seize the day. It doesn't, it doesn't happen as often as it should now that the season has started. Cause I don't know if you've noticed, but we tend to play the longest games in the league, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> if we play a game under three hours, it's, a, it's miraculous, but. Yep. And those are long days. I don't think people understand how early Amelia and I get to the ballpark. We don't, I think a lot of people just think we show up, you know, like 15 minutes before first pitch and we've got our legs up and we're eating a hot dog. Like 
there's actually stuff to be done pregame and everything. So it's works for me to just, you know, have that time to myself so that I'm not freaking out about all the rest of the stuff I have to do that day. Well, we're and now- like you said, and I'm sorry, Jake, I was no. just gonna say, like you said, getting the energy out, exercising or whatever it is and hydrating really good. Like actually focusing on what you're putting into your body and not just go about your normal day and then assume that the game's going to be good is totally important too. Totally important. Yeah. You've got that start to your day, right? Like you're ready. You've got, you know, you, you're all, your mindset's there, but then getting in the zone, right? Like, uh, you know, getting to the point where you can sustain being in the zone for those three, four hour games for now, like, how do you stay in the zone for that long? Cause you can't lose focus. And it's not like, Hey, you're the pitcher, you, you know, you got to focus on your top half and then, you know, you, you let someone else do something for the bottom half and you come back out. Like you, you got, you got the whole game. Well, I, I think Amelia would say too, I, you know, I've got a great crew and we have a blast and we all work together and, and we're a family. Um, and I love working with everybody there. Um, but also something that was interesting when I first started in 2000 is that doing a game on the PA mic is very similar to doing, to doing a radio show in, in many ways. Um, you know, there's, I remember Amelia texted me and she, she goes, I didn't know there was so much copy to read at spring training, right? <laughs> like all the ad copy or the Sponsored. community, community uh, uh, spotlights and stuff. There's like, and that's, that's the same as doing a radio segment, you know, it, it's very, very similar. So the same way I would sustain myself for a four hour radio show, by the way, I never sat down during the radio show. My energy was just always up. And just like I'm rooting, you know, in the booth for the team, I'm dancing when I'm introing a song or doing a bit or something, I, you know, and that also helps me, you know, get in, get into my groove as well. So um, I, and the other thing too is, and I, I've shared this with so many people, I've said this in many interviews before, once I turn on a mic or the camera goes on, that is, that is, I'm immediately in the zone. That is my happy place. And again, I'm so grateful because I never could have imagined doing this, any of this as a little girl. So I'm just grateful. And once that mic comes on, no matter how tired I may be, it's go time and I'm good to go. And I love it. Yeah. I mean, I remember something from MLB Network where people, the, people that were worried about ratings were like, oh, this is a morning show. Not a ton of people are watching. But you have to think about that one person that's just watching the show for the first time. And you have to make that show perfect for that person, whether it's one people, one person or 50,000 people. And the same goes for these games, right? It could be you know, there could be limitations because of COVID and you're just speaking to 5,000 people, or it could be 56,000 packed for an eighth Giants game. And you have to have the same energy for both. So you can't take whatever happened to you earlier in the day into that. You can't take your level of exhaustion or whatever. It could be the ninth game of a 10 game homestand. It could be game 162. You have to give it your all because that maybe that's that one person, that one fan, their first baseball game ever. And maybe that makes the difference and them becoming an A's fan or not, or becoming a baseball fan or not, or a Giants fan. And so I always, I always thought about that. Um, and it really does help, like you said, Rennell, to have the people around you. Like the control room that we have at the A's is just unbelievable. I mean, everybody gets along really well. Everyone hangs out during, we're actually gonna hang out tonight and watch the A's game. The A's are on the road. It's like, takes a lot, 
to want to see somebody after seeing them for 10 days straight. And that's how much we enjoy each other's company. And it's so important. And then an another thing you said about getting into the zone, I actually, I'm very superstitious. So before games, I'm still a superstitious fan all the time. Before games, I will go to the third deck and I will sit in, it usually is, let's, let's say seat 22 if Ramon Laureano is having a, you know, is doing a good job or whatever, having good games, having good series. Or maybe it's, you know, seat 28 if I want Ole to hit a home run or something like that. I will sit in those seats. And I remember in 2012 when I was with MLB Network, that was the first time they actually sent me to an A's game, a, a postseason game. We were playing the Tigers then. And I remember sitting in the third deck and thinking to myself for the first time, wow, this is the first time I'm here as an employee and not a fan. And this is really, really, really cool. And I looked out on the field and I was like, I just had this moment of, oh my God, my career brought me back to where I want to be, to where the place I love. And it just felt so cool. So I go sit in those seats before each game every single day. Usually it's beautiful outside and I just want to get a tan. And I'm sitting there in third deck <laughs> thinking, this is where we used to have like dollar hot dogs. This is where we used to do BART Wednesdays. And now I'm just sitting here by myself and feeling like this entire Coliseum is my home and I get to kind of walk around it. And how cool is that? So that's how I kind of get in the zone. I'll sit there for a little bit and then I'll come back into the control room where it's obviously more chaotic. And by the way, gray hairs, I mean, I dyed them, but like those come in the entire season, it's chaos in a control room and, and having those good people around you really, really helps. It makes such a difference because we spend more time with the crew than our own families during the season because the mm -hmm. days are so long and the homestands can be so long. So we're so lucky that we we are a family. I, yesterday, what you're saying, Amelia, two of the audio guys, we stayed in the booth and you know I have a little connection with concessions. And <laughs> again, Jake, there's <laughs> a lot of drinking that. in this sport. So <laughs> we stayed for like a couple hours and we just kicked it and we were drinking and we were talking about the homestand and how this team is on fire and Rob, our DJ also DJs with you guys sometimes, Money Rob. And, you know, we have like a shared crew as well. So we were talking about both teams. By the way, there's a lot of A's fans in the booth with me. Okay. There's a lot of love for the green and gold in there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so we hung out for a couple hours after the game yesterday. And then I came home and collapsed. Of course, I was exhausted, but it was just really fun to just because not everybody understands what we do. We can't talk about it with a lot of people, right? It doesn't make sense to people that, that don't know what mm -hmm. we do. And the other thing I wanna to touch on, um, circling back to what Amelia was saying about it might be that fan's first ball game. My, my broadcasting training really helped prepare me in ways I, I didn't realize because doing a morning radio show, my first boss said, you have to imagine your audience in the morning. They're, parents making breakfast for the kids or making lunches or they're commuters or they're on the bridge or they're on BART. You got to think about who you're speaking to when you're doing the morning show. And it's the very same thing. It's like, like Amelia said, we have, you know, thousands of fans and you don't know, you know, what, what their experience is. So, and it really served me well last year because everyone was saying, how did you do it without any fans? Because obviously we get our energy from the fans, no doubt, but I was able to just kind of you know, visualize what it's like to have fans, having done it for so long and having remembered my radio training. You have to visualize who you're speaking to. So that that's really served me well. Yeah, it's such an important part of it. And, and you know, Amelia, you mentioned the sponsor reads. I mean, hey, that, there's, there's all parts of this business that have to come to fruition. And, um, you know, you, I'm sure you probably have learned quite a few things that you probably never even considered before. 
Um, I mean, it's just, it's amazing how much, you know, I'm sure the job evolves from season to season, even though you're doing the same thing, right? And, and there's different programs and so on. Look, I know we could probably talk for hours and that's not even me. Like that's both of you just talking because um, that's your job. But I do want to wrap up with two last questions. Amelia, you've got uh, quite the fandom for the A's, but it already, I mean, it goes into what's inside your house. I heard you have a cat, Raleigh Fingers. I mean, is that, is that yeah. true? Yeah, so my cat's name is Raleigh Fingers. She's probably eating right now because that's what she does best. But um, yeah, I named her Raleigh Fingers. I mean, she's, what, 10 years old right now? So this is a while ago. This wasn't a recent thing. And then the other cat is Catrick Marlowe because I'm a Sharks fan as well too. But Raleigh Fingers, when I actually met the real Raleigh Fingers, we were at a golf event or something and this was in my role as executive producer. I, you know, I shook his hand and I said, I know this is weird to say, but I named my cat after you. And he goes, <laughs> that must be one ugly cat. And I'm oh. like, oh, no. I really wanted a cat with a handlebar mustache, but it didn't happen. You can't really pick them at the, uh, at the SPCA like that. So yeah, Raleigh Fingers is my cat. I, I have an obsession, it's safe to say, with the A's. And uh, it, it goes all the way to pets. Yeah. Ronell, is there a name that you've announced in your career that you were like, just amazed that you even got it right? <laughs> well um I mean you've got your Stremsky playing for you now so that's that's one in its challenge but I mean what what else but by the way my my grandpa's favorite player was Carl Yastrzemski and my grandpa who followed Negro League Baseball could have never imagined that his granddaughter would grow up and announce Carl Yastrzemski's grandson right pretty crazy yeah. but you know everybody like focuses on our, the pronunciation of the players and that's for me and I think Amelia would agree that's the easiest part of the job mm -hmm. you know there's you know like she was saying the pitching changes the defensive changes the pinch hitters and reading the copy as you have a defensive change happening mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and sometimes you really have to multitask so um the the names are not an issue and I know Amelia and I are both just baseball fans and hardcore baseball fans in general like I was watching um, the Mets game early this morning while I was working in my office, hoping that I would hear our sister Maddie Saul, but she switches with um, uh, mm -hmm. Colin Cosell. So he was doing the game today. I was like, what a treat I get to hear my sister today. Uh, and then the Padres Rockies division rivals came on. So I mean, I'm watching that game. So I think Amelia and I already know all the players. Cause I mean, I watch quick pitch every night. I watch, you know, my boyfriend Harold Reynolds all the time. <laughs> in another life um so that's never been an, an issue for me but since there's so much focus on it we want to make sure we do get it right so i got i've over the years started to go and in, in um checking with the visiting broadcasters and i've started you know over the years i've developed relationships with them many of whom are like former players right like keith hernandez what is happening oral hersheiser and i go in and I, you know i go can you just you know double check this pronunciation for me and I've had so many of them say, no one has ever, no PA announcer has ever done that. And I said, you know why? Because I'm a woman, okay? I'm a woman. And <laughs> we, have, of it. we have attention to detail. Mm -hmm. We take great pride in what we do other than a, a man that's just gonna assume I know how to say this and just do, you know? And it's like, this is their moment. We don't wanna mess that up for them. But so I haven't had any trouble with any names but I will say there are some favorites over the years 
more recently, Adani Echevarria, it's fabulous. You know, I had Andres Galarraga, you know, Juan Encarnacion, and you know, the Latin names are fat. Yorbi Torrealba, the Latin names are so lyrical and there's mm-hmm. so much fun to have. And uh, Jared Saltala Machia, Nomar Garcia Parra. We can have we can have fun with those, even though they're visiting players. I try to find a way to, you know, make it kind of special when it's a great name like that. But I, I for me, it's like that's the easiest part of the job. It's like when stuff in the later innings, when there's like a million things to do in one inning break, is when it gets nuts. Do you ever have that's uh-huh. that's totally it. Amelia, right. you ever have that aha moment of like, wow, I'm just announcing this guy's name, but this moment is really special for him? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it was uh, Ka'ai Tom who had his first major league hit, and I got to say that. I mean, I haven't had a ton of those yet. I'm sure I'll get a lot of those. And, you know, he's, he's over with Pittsburgh now. But I think just knowing the scenario really, really helps. And let's say it's a visiting player and I don't necessarily announce those names just, you know, as much as, or as big as I do for the A's players, but what if it is this guy's major league debut? What if his family's sitting in the stands? You really want to do it justice, you know, to his name and not just a very straightforward monotone. So you got to be aware uh, of the situation. And I know that if I were making my major league debut, I'd want to, I'd want this person to like put some value into the name in some sort and make sure I get the number and everything right. So yeah, it was like Ronell was saying, it's not necessarily pronunciations of the names. I actually have a harder time with like the shorter ones, Matt Olson. Like how do you really, with three syllables, how do you really give it the oomph that it deserves? Um, And it's not necessarily the pronunciations. It's also looking at the clock too, because that pace of play is really important now too. So you're reading off this, you know, thick book of sponsorship stuff, but you got to get through it in two minutes time and make sure you announce the batter. And when you announce the batter, you want to be prepared for it. You don't want to just say it, like you said, and, and not necessarily put enough care into it. Might have to take a tip or two from those who walk up and down the concession stand or, you know, they, they've got the concessions with them, whether it's the lemonade or the cookies. Like sometimes those are the most phenomenal, like just sayings, pronunciations, phrases. I mean, it's it's incredible. Yeah, we have Hal the hot dog guy. I hear him screaming from the booth oh. and he's like, he's a performer. I mean, he is really good. And I hear him, you know, give me an A. And everybody's like, hey, what does that spell? A's. <laughs> and I'm laughing the whole time. I mean, he's so good. And he just doesn't care what people think. And he's just screaming. And it could be quiet elsewhere, but he's really still going after it. So I I try to, you know, learn from, from that. You know, it's not necessarily just PA work that you want to emulate. It's like people, sometimes I feel like I'm screaming in a library, you know, it, especially when there's very, you know, last season it was 10,000 cardboard cutouts. You got to pretend that those are people. They're not going to cheer back at you and you're going to get the artificial cheer like we had last season, but people are watching on TV. So you got to pretend they're there and you got to still give it, you know, as much as if there were 50,000 people in the stands. For now, Amelia, can't thank you enough for your time, thoughts, perspectives, stories. Again, we could have gone on for hours, but, uh, and, and of course you're welcome on anytime um, in the future. We'll have to get uh, Pat and Andy to start going back and forth with you on the A's and Giants. Um, but nonetheless, really appreciate it. And any last words from either of you? I was just going to say thank you so much for having me. I mean, this has been a lot of fun. And I just, I also really want to say thank you to everybody who's been really just outspoken and supportive on social media and, and to my baseball mother, Renelle, because she has just done so much for me in terms of confidence and support and advice. And it's, it's been invaluable. So it's just been fantastic learning from her and from Marisol. 
Thank you. Thank you. I just was, I might've been more excited than you when I heard the news. I was just so thrilled for you, especially knowing, you know, we both grew up, you know, rooting for these teams and it's just, it's just such a huge, huge blessing. And I just was so thrilled for you. And, and thank you for saying that. And I, I just, I couldn't be prouder. And, you know, I, I mean, it's like, I told Amelia a few weeks ago, I go, oh my God, there's four of us now I can retire. Because I was like, I'm not going no. anywhere until we have more representation here, right? But um, I just um, appreciate having, you know, Amelia and, and now our Fab Four, as we're called, we're calling ourselves. And, and, and Amelia's got a, a text thread for us going, which is so cool because it was a, such a lonely, lonely place for me for like 18 years. Mm -hmm. And to, you know, have, you know, the support of these other women and, you know, we can you know, we can vent and we can share and it, it just means everything to me. So it's been great having this time with, with my baseball daughter and I am uh, hoping for a Bay Bridge World Series. And uh, I also want to thank uh, the fan base. It has just been unbelievable and it just really embraced me. It's just a wonderful, wonderful love affair that, that, that we have. And I, I just couldn't ask for more. And you know, like I said, my grandpa was, you know, followed Negro League baseball, passed his passion of the sport down to my mom, who just turned 95 years old, by the way. Thank you very much. And, um, and that's where I got my, my love of the game from. So I salute, salute my grandpa, who, who really started it all. So again, I'm just grateful every day that I, that I get to do everything that I love doing with my dad. I had a radio career and my dad and I would sing every pop song in the car every time we were together. And and going to baseball games and sitting on his lap watching, you know, variety TV and, and uh, my dad's my hero. And so to be able to do everything that I loved doing with him as a little girl, to grow up and be able to do it for a living is, is a real gift. For now, there was a Fab Five, like E60 or Doc or something. Like, I don't know who we need to tell, but now you've got Fab Four kind of trademarked or something. There's, I know we were talking about a show that maybe there's a movie. Hey, I don't know. You, I'll let you handle that one. Oh, the movie would be outstanding. I must, I must reach out to Ava DuVernay or someone immediately. Yeah. <laughs> who, who would play? Who would play you in a movie? I just I would, play my, I would play myself. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast, powered by Brain Fuel. Remember, you can get fifteen percent off your next purchase at brainfuel.com b-r-e-i-n fuel.com with the code lifeo15 l-i-f-o-1-5 at checkout and a reminder to get your copy of lol loss of logo what's your next move our new book written by andy dolich and your host jake hirschman if you go to mascotbooks.com and enter the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, you'll receive 50% off at your checkout or available on Amazon, ebook, and print.